the Yak Babies, Sex, Presidents, and Sometimes Books. Welcome to Yak Babies, a podcast on the internet sponsored by The Bible for Sharks and God Said Let There Be Chomp. My name's Aaron here, my personal pals, Brick. Chomp. We have formerly old Irish Nico, now currently new American Nico. It's like the Oxford Dictionary, the new American <laughs> edition. Oh, jeez. The expanded Nico. A personal pal Dave is in absentia. He'll be back soon with all the Dave wonder that you expect and love. Today we're talking about reimaginings, readaptings, when writers uh, or creators of any kind take old text and turn them into something new. This happens, I feel like, a lot. Shakespeare seems to be like the sort of like the origin point, or maybe the origin point, but like the sort of lodestar for this, right? That's where most of this kind of work happens. And I think that an early... Which also, like, that's also what Shakespeare was doing, which is a little... Right. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I think an early moment for a young reader who is learning to read in a more critical or maybe complex way is when you realize that a cartoon you like is based on Shakespeare. Like, The Lion King is the most famous example, probably. Once you realize The Lion King is based on Hamlet, then you sort of like, oh, I'm... I'm I'm seeing deeper than just on the surface, right? But is there more besides just that? Brick, you sort of laid out kind of three different ways that sort of texts are adapted, right? Well, I can't remember what the third one was. Okay, great. <laughs> uh, I mean, so the main one is sort of like the Lion King taking a story or characters or whatever and kind of reskinning them almost. Yeah. And then the other one is writing a story kind of from from a different angle like from, yeah. from like behind the behind the stage or whatever right so like rosencrantz and gills turned her dead right or like um white sargass oc yeah or the the wicked stuff that you were talking about nico the those, right. play, those plays and books right or now in kind of in that vein uh it's it's really popular to tell um myths or f- like yep. myth like kind of gather together the myth madeline miller does that uh at song of achilles was the we we just read in our book club right and those are not it's not like update where it's like achilles is like a banker it's like the same old characters right yeah well it's so it's song of achilles is from achilles's gay lover's perspective okay and and so you're like oh what i i didn't realize and and it's like yep nope historically he had this this one guy that he liked more than everybody else and it was not explicit but yeah uh, which I think is interesting, but I, I think also those that kind of retelling where it's where it is the same story from a different perspective mm-hmm. risks kind of being flat for me because I know yeah it's gotta it's gotta have a real reason to exist you know yeah. it can't just be like hey you know I think there's that Robert Coover story where Rick and Elsa bang in the thing and I think right. that that sort of is good because it's Robert Coover kind of like doing what he does but normally that's not. And if it's a That's short story, want. yeah, like short stories can survive on kind of a gimmick like yeah. that. Yeah, so but than... not a, a book needs a real like a, like a great example is Grendel by John Gardner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that book really is something. It's not really about Beowulf, right? It uses that to sort of further further the story, right, and and tell a different mm-hmm. story that's enhanced by leaning on that established work as opposed to just being like, wouldn't it be cool if people knew what Grendel was up to? Like that, right. it's not the same. Right. I think that the, that what we just mentioned, the latter thing tends to describe a lot of this work, I think, or can describe it where the intent seems to be like, Oh, well we could do this. This would be interesting. 
okay, great. Like a, a bad example, I guess, and maybe not a fair one, would be when E.L. James published the like the Grey novel, which was like mm-hmm. the same story of Fifty Shades Grey, but told from Christian Grey's perspective. Mm-hmm. It's like the most bankrupt, just like <laughs> cash grab decision possible. Like already a cash grab, cash grab on top of a cash grab, where it's just like, oh, we could do this. Why not? I guess we'll just do that. There's no, that what you mentioned about enhancement seems super important here. But I wonder about that. Like what, what about the original text enhances the experience? Like why couldn't these stories be original stories? I think they could. That's why it's enhanced, right? And I think that's where it falls you know, if if the if the story of Grendel only exists to fill in the blanks that didn't need to be filled in by the original thing, mm-hmm. then you just have a puff. Mm-hmm. It's flat, like Nico said, right? Right. So Grendel would be a great book about sort of inner torment in a in a man, mm-hmm. right? And then it's enhanced by leaning on an established sort of thing, right? It brings it brightens the color palette. You know what I mean? But tell me more about that, though. Why does it enhance it in your in your mind? Because I think it that in that book specifically, right? You're you're taking a creature that is sort of famous in literature for being a monster, right? And then it's applying pathos to it, right? right. So that, but you could tell that story and just describe how this person is seen as a monster, right? But it's different when most people who have read that book have read most most people, especially when that book was written, like that's just read in high school. So like most people knew the story and knew the character. Right. Right. And then Paradise Lost, another example of this, right? Hmm. Where like Paradise Lost tells the story of the most famous bad guy in history. Hmm. Right. Or at least in the history of the culture that was, that was dominant at the time of, you know, the readers of that book. Yeah. And doesn't not make him a bad guy, but applies dimension to it and implies reason and implies pain right and that i think that enhances it right yeah but i think so what you're what i think is interesting here is that recognition is is the enhancement right like if you recognize the original character then he's building on something for you but it depends on it requires the original or the reader to have a connection to the original text in some way you're giving yourself in some ways kind of like a limitation you're limiting your audience or narrowing it significantly, but in the hopes that for the readers who do follow along and do have that connection, it'll be a much more intense experience for them potentially. Yeah, I think so. Yep. It's tricky. Well, I'm not sure that they necessarily, you know, necessarily need to limit their audience because I mean I think a lot of those things can can stand up can stand. It. Yeah. yeah, and and I think that you mm-hmm. know they then they get to invoke those characters mm-hmm. and and then turn their motivations kind of in an interesting way and i think that that maybe that kind of saves a bit of time and effort to invoke like the the wicked witch of the west or whatever yeah right instead of creating a whole new kingdom or whatever you know you can just take all of that and uh and skip ahead to you know where where things happen that didn't happen in the original right yeah, yeah i mean it, it is like a it's like almost like a starter kit for your story because you have yeah. like a, a setting or you have characters and you have motivations and sort of work and twists obviously to add to and sort of modify as you need to make your story happen. But it does sort of give you those like initial things that you could argue take more time maybe or take, you know, just different kind of set of, yeah. uh, if you're, for your creative process. Mm. Did you guys ever read the like Gregory Maguire books? Where No, where but I, I saw that whole series. Mm-hmm. I saw one of the plays. Yeah. I, I read one of them, but I had no... That's in- Wicked, right? No interest. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. But I had no interest in reading the rest. I was like, I get it. Yeah, yeah. you're gonna keep I doing don't. the same thing to other 
to other villains. Like, I get it, I get it. So is it, but it's all set in the Wizard of Oz universe, or it's other other no, characters? I think, does other, I think he does other other villains. Oh, really? Um, Interesting. But he always does the same shtick. He does like, right. oh, they, they weren't actually that. Yeah, I don't know. I am generally much more interested in the reskinning kind of brand of this. Mm-hmm. It's one of those, you get a same feeling of like when you've read the book and you see the movie. You know what I mean? Um, where you're like, oh, like I, I have, I have the inside, I have the inside track on this, right? Mm-hmm. Which is a good feeling when you're, when you're kind of, you, you watch something differently because you're not necessarily watching it for plot, you're watching it for execution, right? Yeah. Or read or whatever else. Mm-hmm. Like Nico said, I think this happens probably most frequently with Greek mythology, just by, by nature of what it is. Yeah. Going as far back as Shakespeare, like he was. Not necessarily mythology, but he was already telling old stories and readapting them. Right. And then that that sort of been carried on because right after Greek mythology, it was probably Shakespeare that gets re mm-hmm. reimagined the most. Yeah. Both in um, the Bible. In the Bible, yeah. Both in movie form, but also in books. I think there's a lot of books written that yeah. uh, take those structures and sometimes those characters and, yeah. and rework them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, like Ulysses is a famous example, right? So yeah, definitely. Uh, but there's tons, you know, Heart of Darkness turning into whatever that movie was. Apocalypse Now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think there there is kind of a thin line between retelling Hamlet and just using that kind of a story structure, you know, because yeah, you can get into the whole. There's eleven plots. There, yeah, there's but, not that many. But I think there's a difference between using that story structure and then that like this is clearly Hamlet. You know what I mean? Like. Right. Yeah, but I think there is a spectrum there. Sure. And it's, and it's like, I don't know. I'm I'm inclined to, uh, to, to I guess not care that much if it's uh if it's Hamlet or if it's a Shakespeare play. Just because maybe because like Shakespeare kind of took those plots himself. Uh, mm. As long as it doesn't stick so rigidly to it, I feel like because then you run into that thing where it, if you know the ending. It's it's kind of all feels. Yeah, it can feel flat. It can also hinder the work through unflattering comparison. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, dumb example, but we were watching an episode of that new creep show show yesterday. That was a bunch of movie references. The whole thing was just like movie puns yeah. and movie references and quotes, whatever. And there's a scene where one of the characters is killed in the shower, and it's the shot for shot recreation of the psycho shower murder scene right and it goes on for a long time it does the whole scene it like plays out extensively and at first you're like oh yeah psycho shower i get it and it keeps yeah. going you're like oh yeah remember how psycho is a better thing to watch than yeah. this like it just like yeah. it takes you you see quickly with the the recreation of the camera moves and the the feel of it or whatever you're like oh yeah psycho is just a really better text than this whatever i'm watching right and then you're just like taken out of the fact that you're watching this show which wasn't that like, good but still it was like it made it seem even worse because i was like oh yeah psycho was a lot better mm-hmm. yep. risky certainly yeah I, I much prefer the 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 kind that takes the story beats yeah and then the like the character traits mm-hmm. but then builds upon them with new flesh right i'm trying to think of a a book besides ulysses that does as well well let's go with movies uh that movie 10 things i hate about you is like a cheesy teen comedy Mm -hmm. but also like pretty good Mm -hmm. and it's the taming of the shrew without just 
it's like there's the difference between that and that Baz Luhrmann Romeo and Juliet that we were talking about, right? Which is just right. like literally Romeo and Juliet, but with right. with frosted tips, you know. Right. And and I don't think that Baz Luhrmann movie holds up nearly as well. I it, they used to use it in class as a comparison, but yeah, mm-hmm, that's not the Romeo and Juliet I'm gonna I'm gonna go to, and it's also not the teen romance I'm gonna go to. So you know what I mean? Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, it's it's hmm. I wonder if it holds up. I haven't seen it in a long time. I think you're right. There, there is. It, it, it's fine. Like it's, it's a, it's an interesting adaptation. Yeah. But it holds so tight to it. Right. That it's almost like a relic of a very specific era than it is, mm. you know. Whereas, whereas there's just more, I don't know, kind of dimension to the to the movies, like Ten Things They Hate About You, that like, right, are their own movie. Like you could watch that and not know it was Shakespeare. And still yeah. like it. You know? I think that a lot of people probably do, yeah. right? Or Lion King. Right, yeah, Lion King for sure. And like, actually, the, the Lion King is interesting, too, because it even goes deeper, because Lion King is also ripped off of that anime, right? The White Tiger. Oh, yeah, yeah, There's yeah. There's like a, a Japanese animated movie that is, the Lion King is very obviously ripped off of. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, yeah, it's layers and layers of reinterpretation and in some ways, uh, not to the one kind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> As writers, did you two ever attempt this have you ever written stories or, or worked on things that were built on other texts it's kind of like a must of at yeah. some point like just done a yeah me too story that was you know a retelling or whatever but basically a joke right yeah mm-hmm. i don't know same answer i can't think of a specific but I'm, I'm sure i tried and then probably treated it as a joke because i didn't have the confidence to run with it it's, it's, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah yeah, it's often used. Oh, you know what? I definitely did. Mm. I remember taking some Ovid stories okay. and yeah. uh, making short stories out of them. That's cool. Hopefully, That'd be fun. Uh, <laughs> knowing knowing twenty something me, I didn't pick very. Good. I probably picked like Philabella and something. So right, classic Philabella. Yeah, everybody will know. Yeah, Get this reference. Yeah, everyone's gonna love this. This sure. very brutal <laughs> rape story. Oh God. Uh, yeah. That's part of it, though. Is like I was thinking about audience too. Like, so I did one. I wrote a short story based on. Bartleby went for Emerson. We were at Emerson for my short, short class. And I like it. It's a it's a good story. Or, I don't know. It's not a good story. It's fun. <laughs> I was proud of it when I wrote it, I should say. We, mm-hmm. I'll leave it at that. But when I turned into the workshop, the reaction was pretty poor because everyone was like, oh, we, we don't know what this is based on. Because mm-hmm. this was the bright story based on another story. Right. And everyone else's were pretty easy to figure out, and no one had read Bartleby in the class. And I was like, oh, okay, well, I guess it does kind of ruin it if you don't know what Bartleby is. Like, this makes no sense to you. So it's, yeah, and, that, and obviously this is, you know, an amateur writer talking about their experience. But, right. yeah, it, it does sort of like, it yeah. really forces you to think about how your audience is going to respond to this text, and can you tell the story well enough that you don't have to have the references if they if they right. don't. Which is definitely tricky. Yeah, absolutely. Do you, I don't know, I'll phrase the question exactly. I was like, do you, when you see a new novel or movie or whatever it is to come out and the angle is like, we're retelling the story or redoing this, like, what is your, what is your gut reaction when that happens? It totally depends on how it's being presented. Yeah. I think if it's like some literary novel that's retelling whatever, yeah. I'm out. If it is some cool sci-fi movie that is subtly like adapting like mm. a Shakespeare plot and without being like blaring trumpets about it i'm gonna gonna like it right or at least i'm gonna be interested in it you know what i mean yeah um i think it sort of depends on i don't know if the intent's the right word but like you know what i mean like i don't want i don't want a smarmy retelling because there's there's no way that whatever colson whitehead is writing is going to be better than than the source material right but maybe fired yeah i don't like him very much but if it's if it's something more like grendel where they're like 
borrowing and using and kind of more of a pastiche approach mm. to to make something new using this this tool set that's more interesting to me than mm. just rewriting a story but setting it in brooklyn or what you know what i mean like right mm. nico i think i would say i i would go for either end of the spectrum but mm. not the middle so like on one side you know would would be kind of just putting on a play mm-hmm. you know like so a director puts on a hamlet in a in a different way yeah or on the other side would be like this is vaguely inspired by x but it's not but it's like its own thing right right and then in the middle i kind of lose lose steam when it's just like oh this is a retelling of some of you know thor like all right well yeah that probably seems like the more less likely to succeed because it's maybe not as well thought out potentially right yeah i agree with that or like i mean song of achilles i think was a kind of a perfect bad example because i know almost nothing about achilles except mm-hmm. for the fact that he dies because right. he gets hit in the heel Got and that he famous this, heel. yeah he has the heel weakness so the rest of it the rest of the retelling was medium interesting but there's always that you know looming over them you know they're doomed from the beginning and there was just a lot of fluff in the middle mm-hmm. there's like long sections where they just chill at the trojan war for right. 10 years right <laughs> they just and achilles goes out and goes out and fights and patroclus just sits in the in the hospital tent and like bandages up people for 10 years wow and that that kind of thing doesn't really play in a in a novel anymore i don't yeah think, the way it did in the epic poems or whatever yeah time we our configuration of time is different our, our approach to time is maybe a bit yeah. different yeah it's like why is this in here yeah yeah i am always excited to see what aesthetic filter they've put on a Shakespeare in the Park adapt- adaptation or whatever. Like, I'm right. always just like, yeah. I just want to see what it is. And I don't always care. It doesn't always impact the play. Yeah. Actually, it rarely does in any meaningful way. Yeah. But just, just like, like, Hamlet's a woman. It's like some, you know. Yeah. Okay. Or like, gangster costumes? Yeah. Cool. I want to see what the costumes yeah, exactly. are. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to see the set design. Yeah. That's all I want. I feel and like then... that also works like on a play where it's like two hours and I'm done. Yeah, Versus absolutely. a novel where it's like, I have to read this. Totally. And then you're just you're getting the same story for the like that yeah. novel that you but has like a different trap and whatever. It's not maybe as appealing. Yeah. Whereas yeah, a two hour play or a three hour play or whatever with some different costumes and setting is like that's a nice yeah. evening out. Yeah, yeah. And it also seems like maybe when the story is completely familiar, then you can you don't have to pay attention to that yes. quite as much. It's yeah, if it's like a retelling of a play that you've never seen or like a new production of a play that you've never seen, then that's going to be way harder to follow. Yeah. Right. You have to figure out why are they dressed like gangsters. Right. Maybe they should have old gangster Shakespeare. <laughs> Shakespeare you seem to want clothes. it pretty badly. It's coming from your subconscious. <laughs> Much ado <laughs> <laughs> about nothing. Gangsters. Midsummer Night's Dream. Gangsters. Uh, <laughs> Anthony Cleopatra. Gre- gangsters. <laughs> you could be the Gregory Maguire of <laughs> gangster Shakespeare. Just putting all gangsters. So I just looked up his, just to tie that back up i just yeah. looked up his bibliography and it's like literally all these what retellings. are the other examples so there's a whole series of wicked books right there's wicked son of a witch a lion among men and then interspersed there's confessions of an ugly ugly stepsister so i'm guessing cinderella, cinderella. mirror mirror uh, after alice alice literally a tale of yeah a, a tale of the once and future nutcracker that's really grasping that's, yeah yeah okay and a wild winter swan but that's all of his books for adults. Black or 
yeah, Black Swan, Ugly Duckling, maybe? Swan or? Lake? Swan, Swan Lake, yeah, Swan right, Lake, right, yeah. Right. And then, like, a lot of his books for kids are, like, the Hamlet Chronicles. There's six books, and who the fuck Whoa. wants to read the other that? side of Swan Lake? <laughs> yeah, Just really. nobody. I mean, I mean I guess maybe that's not what Darren it is. Darren Aronofsky, but... I guess. Yeah, right. <laughs> <Fair enough. laughs> All right, listeners, tell us your thoughts on retellings and readaptations. We want to know what your thoughts are on these novels and movies that takes the original and twist them in some way. <laughs> Do you like him? Do you hate him? Yakabees on Twitter and tell us or email us at yakabeespodcast at gmail.com to send us your thoughts there. Also, go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash yakabees, where you can access our secret bonus podcast for $1 a month. That's all we're asking. And there's so much content there. There are Broda Bros, there's various games, EMI games, lots of stuff we're doing. And I like how you say EMI as if anyone knows what that means. <laughs> like, <laughs> should, should as if be. a casual listener is like, what the? oh yeah, of course, an EMI game, of course. It's a national phenomenon. Sure. But the big selling point for the, the patron right now is this. We have a three-hour episode where we do the ultimate Halloween candy tournament. We did a bracket to determine the best Halloween candy of all time. We fucking did it. Uh, we ate the candy. We all got sick. Literally got sick to There's do this. There's some surprises in there. There's some real drama in those brackets. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm not over a lot of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, still, <laughs> I'm, I'm troubled by what happened. But you got to listen to that. For $1, totally worth it. Check that out. And then we have our, our merch shop, tinyurl.com slash jackbabies, where you get Shirts and mugs and stuff with bricks designs, all very funny, all very cool. One last thing, tell somebody about Yak Babies. Tell a friend, tell a colleague, tell a coworker who likes literature, who likes not literature. I don't know. <laughs> Even odds, we're talking about literature or not literature any given week. Tell them about Yak Babies and grow the fan base. That'd be excellent. Until then, Yak Babies, yakking off. The Yak Babies would like to thank all their loyal listeners, and especially their patrons, both past and present, including Michael. Bonnie, Sebastian, David, Roger, Kathleen, Bailey, Andrew, and William Howard Taft. Oh.